and then another Palm Sunday, another Lenten season coming to an end, those that celebrate Lent, and you have decided that during that season you were going to what? Give up something in honor of what God has done for us in the saving of our souls. Amen? We thank God for this season. We thank God for this day. This would be considered what we call Palm Sunday, as they've already reiterated session today. It's the day when Jesus would come in and he would finally, after three years, allow himself to be proclaimed the king of kings. And of course, uh, we know that he didn't come to take them out of bondage from Rome. He came to take them out of bondage to what? Sin. And so we thank God for this day. Let's pray real quickly. Father, this afternoon, we're just thankful. We're thankful for being in the house of God. We're thankful for those on Zoom. Facebook Live, and we're thankful, Father, for the sound of my voice and for the words of God coming through me. Use me to your glory. Bless the hearts of these, your people. Bless your word. Give it power. Let it take deep root as seeds in good ground. Bless each one. Bless each heart. Bless each home. We thank you. We ask you in Jesus' name. We thank God. Amen. You may, you may be seated. Today we're going to talk about not so much Palm Sunday, but we're going to talk about the Passion Week. Camille came up in a minute, a minute ago and mentioned the Passion Week. Why is it called a Passion Week? This is the week of passion. Uh, uh, my theme verse is going to be Hebrews 12, 2, which says, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross despising the shame and is set down at the right hand of God. Jesus' final week on the earth in this body he was born in on that Christmas morning. You remember he wasn't the son of Joseph. He was the son of God. So we call him God the son because his father was God. Mary was his mother. All right. This is the final week after three and a half, after 33 years of life on earth and after three years of ministry with his 10, his 12, I say his 10, his 12 disciples. And by the time we get to this day that he is writing in, the 12 are still intact, but you're going to see something happen. One of them going to drop off. And this happens in ministry. You're going to see that happen. But this was the week that Jesus would reveal his passion for us in the suffering that he willingly went through on our behalf. The definition of passion from a biblical standpoint is crucifixion, it's suffering and pain, agony, martyrdom. Now, we know that of the disciples that walked with him for those three years, 10 of them would be martyred. The apostle John would die of old age. And, of course, Judas would commit suicide. They were martyrs. What? They died for a cause. They died for their faith. They died because they said, I'm not going to let I'm not going to let go of this because this is real. This is life. 
But Jesus was not a martyr. Jesus was no martyr. His death was not accidental. It was not incidental. His death was a planned event. His death would be a planned event, which would be, be the beginning of a whole new era in what we call time. The very calendars that we, that we use on our walls are because of what? The birth of Jesus Christ. This final week of suffering, Jesus would show us something. Sin is being dealt with. Sin price was so high that there was not enough money on earth to deal with sin. The whole sacrificial system of the Old Testament was about sin. The whole book of Leviticus, the parts of Deuteronomy, all of that Ten Commandments, the law, the civil law, the ceremonial law, the, the different laws were all about one thing, sin and the atonement for sin. The price for sin was blood. Why? Because the Bible teaches us that sin brings death and blood was the sign of death. And so when we look at Passion Week, we're going to look at that part, but more so we're going to look at some of the other things that happened during that week which show us the passion in which he loved us. This is going to be interesting. So passion means pain, but passion has another definition. It also means strong and barely controllable emotion, affection, attachment, devotedness or devotion, fondness, and love. So we see two different types of definitions for the word passion. I want to focus on the second definition, the love, the passion of Jesus Christ. That's the title of this the passion of Jesus Christ. How many saw the passion of the Christ, the movie? If you've never seen that movie, you need to see it. Until you see that movie, you don't get a real taste for what he went through for us. How he suffered for us. So, the passion of Jesus. So the events of that week begin with today, which is the triumphal entry. But I want to go past that because we kind of looked at that last week in Power Hour, I think. The triumphal entry. That's what, that's what the lesson was last week was, was the triumphal entry. But I want to go, and that was on Sunday. So Monday, which would be the next day, is when he was approaching Jerusalem. And it says that when he looked over Jerusalem, it says he wept for the people because he saw them as people, as sheep who were without a shepherd. And he said that if you had only known the day of your visitation, because I would have gathered you like a chicken gathers his chicks, but you would not. And because you did not see the day of your visitation, trouble is coming. And it would be 37 years later that the whole city would crumble, be burned up. Caesar Nero would have it burned down. And then guess who we blamed for the, for the fire? Christians, and this is what Jesus, he's crying not only because of what is, he's crying because he loves his people. 
We're talking about passion. We're talking about love. We're talking about how much Jesus loves us. So he wept. And we see that in Jeremiah. Jeremiah in the book of Lamentations where Jeremiah is a type of Christ in that he wept for his people. He loved them so much that it made him cry. I think it was Jeremiah that said, oh, that my tears were my meat because there was so much tears that he shed for his people because he loved them. But this is what love does. Love is passionate. And then as he got into Jerusalem, it says he went straight to the temple and he cleansed the temple. Why did he need to cleanse the temple? Because there were things going on in there that weren't supposed to be going on in there. Isaiah 56 and 7, it says that my father's house shall be called a house of prayer, but you have made it a den of thieves. Because they were trading. They were, money was going forth. This was in the temple. The outer, the outer court of the temple, they were in there. There are all these sheep and all this, these animals out there, and they're exchanging money. That's not what God gave them the temple for. The temple was for worship. Psalm 69 and 9 says, Passion for your house has consumed me, and the insults of those who insult you have fallen on me. So when he went into the temple and turned over the tables, he was fulfilling Psalm 69 and 9. Because his, I think King James renders it, it says, The zeal of my father's house has eaten me up. We're talking about passion here. So he's letting them know that the father's house was supposed to be for praise. It's supposed to be for prayer, not for profit. So if you know of churches, if you've been to churches where all they talk about is money, we got to get money, we're going to raise money, we're going to do money, 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 something's not right. It's supposed to be a house of praise, a house of prayer. So that's on Monday. Fast forward a few days to Thursday. Now, this is where things start to heat up. This is where things start to change. This is where the Last Supper, we see pictures of Jesus and his disciples on both sides of him. The Last Supper. This was also the, we talked about the Passover meal this morning, this morning in Power Hour. In reference to Jeremiah 31 and 31 talks about the covenant. He says, this cup is the, is the new covenant in my blood. What, what, was, what was he saying? There was an end to the old covenant. The new covenant was here. A covenant was what? In his blood. The previous covenant, it was, sin was covered by the blood of animals and goats. But what? Hebrews says it was not possible for the blood of bulls and goats that it could take away sin. But Jesus came along to not only cover sin, but to take sin away. So in that Last Supper, I want to see, show you three things that were very important in that Last Supper. First of all, he tells them what? This is the new covenant in my blood. Second of all, he washed their feet, and he told them a new uh, commandment I give you. Remember the two greatest commandments? He was asked, what is the greatest commandment in the law? He says, love the Lord thy God. The second is like another first, love your neighbor as yourself. He says, I give you a new covenant, a new commandment, which is what? Love, your, love one another. Why? Because he knew that time was coming when they're going to have trouble. He knew this, the dispersion was coming. He knew persecution was headed, our, headed their way. And he wanted to make sure that they understand when this happens, we need to band together. We need to come together. 
Jesus says, take my yoke upon you and learn of me. Well, we have to yoke one with another as saints, especially in these last and evil days. This is what Paul says, forsake not the assembling of yourself as, the, as is some in these last and evil days. Because there are people out there with a lot of doctrines, a lot of stuff going on, a lot of stuff in the news, a lot of stuff, in, a lot of doctrine, indoctrination going on. And the Bible, the Bible says what? They will, people have itching ears, meaning what? They're going to flock to the nearest person that is saying the stuff that they want to hear. See, sometimes you go to church not to hear what you want to hear, not to get your back scratched, not to get your, your, your palm, you know, but so that you can hear the truth. So you can see where you need to, to, to improve in your life, especially in your relationship with Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. So on that same day, see, I told you about the commandment. I told you about that. And I, oh, Judas would also be dismissed during that supper. Brother Chucky was talking about how Jesus knew that Judas was going to betray him. He knew that Judas was a thief, and what did he do? He gives the thief the money back because he wanted to make sure that Judas had every opportunity to repent, and he didn't do it. And so here's the last, he tells Judas, and he didn't make, make sure nobody heard him say it. What you do, do quickly. And then the Bible says what? Satan entered into him and he left. And this is where he goes to barter this deal with the, with, with the Roman uh, soldiers for what? 30 pieces of silver. Where am I? So after the supper, after J Judas leaves, after he has taught them things, the next step is they go to the... Uh, Garden of Gethsemane. And this is where we know the story. Jesus prays. He agonizes in prayer. This is where we get the term hematohydrosis, where he was in so much stress in prayer that he sweat, and he sweat as it were drops of blood because the capillaries in the skin had, were rupturing and the bleeding was going into the sweat glands. And he was, this is why, because he was praying, Father, there be any other way let this cup pass from me and he came to the conclusion what nevertheless nevertheless. nevertheless why if he had decided to change his mind where would we be today Amen. not as I will but as your will be done and finally, after the prayer, after he had talked to his disciples, he said, can't you pray for me even for one hour? Because what? They were so dis, dis, in such despair, and they were tired, and they fell asleep while he was praying. Because he had asked them, pray with me. Sometimes we need somebody with us. You know, it's good when we have our prayer life. It's good to have a prayer. But sometimes you need somebody to be with you. Just stay with me for a while. Just sit with me. I just need somebody to listen. Somebody was talking about this this morning. Sometimes we, we don't want, we don't need to talk all the time. Sometimes just listen. Just hear my heart. And then finally after that episode, Jesus, uh, as he was in the garden, he was, says, the, the, the enemy's on his way. They're here. Now's the hour of darkness. 
And Judas would betray him. Why? How? He would walk up to him because he had made a deal with the, with the soldiers. The one I walk up to and kiss him on his, on his face, he's the one you want. And sure enough, Psalm 41.9 is, this is being fulfilled. Psalm 41.9 says, my own familiar friend who broke bread with me has lifted up his heel against me. So Jesus, being the word, knew what the word said and knew what he was going to do. And Zechariah eleven twelve tells us just how much money would be transpired. 30 pieces of silver, the price of a slave. And later on, that early morning and that afternoon, Jesus would literally go through six mock trials. I'm talking about passion here. I'm talking about emotions, all these emotions. Why? Because of love. He went through three mock trials from the Jews. Brother Chucky was mentioning this morning Annas, Caiaphas, and Sanhedrin. Annas was the previous high priest. Caiaphas was the present high priest. And the Sanhedrin was the high court. He went through three of those. And then he would go through three more mock trials with Romans, with Pilate twice, and with Herod once, and in between those six trials, Peter would deny him three times. I'm talking about emotions. He's not only being persecuted, he's being falsely accused. He was accused of blasphemy because he claimed to be the son of God by the Jews. He was, he was accused of inciting a riot and forbidding people to pay taxes and claiming to be king by the Romans. And then finally, we talked about the, the, the triumphal entry when they cried out, Hosanna, Hosanna, blessed is he that comes in the name of the Lord. Well, many that were saved in that same crowd would now say at, at, in the last trial we're under Pilate, where Pilate would wash his hands to the whole thing because the crowd, he was, he was pressured by the crowd and he would let him go. And they would say, crucify him. Now, they were influenced by Satan. This, the, the crowd was incited by Satan himself. Why? Because Satan had been trying to get to Jesus for, for thousands of years. Because when Cain slew Abel, there was another child expected. They, the devil thought he was going to be him all through time. When they tried to kill the, ba the boy babies when Moses was born, they were trying to find the Messiah then. When, Her when Herod the king found out that he that was born king of the Jews was born, he's, it was a little bit late. But when he found out about it, he says to the, to the wise men, bring me word that I might come and worship him myself. And, what he, and, and so they found out that, no, he didn't want to worship him. He wanted to kill him. And he, they start killing all the boy babies. They were after the Messiah. Yeah. I'm talking about the devil. Yeah. And when, devil, when, when, when Jesus is walking the earth for 33, during his ministry, it says he was tempted in the garden. First, he was tempted in the garden for, I mean, the garden, in the wilderness for 40 days and nights because the devil was after him. But you know what? People keep saying that, that the devil knew who he was. I question that because in the Bible, what it says is, if you be. So he thought he might be, but he kept, because the devil is not God. He does not know everything, he cannot read minds. 
And remember how Jesus was, remember how Jesus was born? It says, in the beginning was the word, and then in verse 14 of chapter 1 of John, it says, and the word was made flesh. That word made flesh means he was incarnate. He was covered with flesh. So what the devil had known about Jesus in when he was the word of God in heaven, that's not how he looked. So how, did, how could he know? So he probably figured it might be, and then he's following him. And remember, there were times when the devil was right there. And matter of fact, Jesus would say to him when Peter said, you're not going to the, and, and, and Jesus would say, Satan, get behind me. Hello. Where is it? See what happened. Technology. There it is. Crucify him. And then so, the rest of the day, Judas commits suicide. After, this is very interesting, after Pilate washes his hands, two of the books, I think is Matthew and, and, and Luke, say, and then he had him scourged. And that's all it says. It does not tell you the horror of the scourging. He was scourged. He was beaten with a whip that had on the end of it a piece of clay type thing and it had shards of metal and glass in it. And this is what they beat him with. They beat him until the skin on his back was ripped open. He was bleeding, he was in pain, he was a mess. And then after that is when the soldiers put the crown of thorns on his head and mocked him. The man is half dead, and you're doing this? This is, a, this is a black eye for humanity when you see the evil that comes out in people. Isaiah 50, verse 6, is a, the, when they beat him, this Isaiah 50, verse 6 is being fulfilled. It says, I offered my back to those who beat me, my cheeks to those who pulled out my beard, I did not hide my face from mocking and spitting. So Jesus suffering, he's passionate about his love to the point where he's willing to suffer because he loves us so much. And his suffering was three ways, threefold. He suffered physically, just like we just described. He was beaten to the point where he was unrecognizable. If his mother saw him walking down the street after that beating and he had the blood, his mother wouldn't have even recognized. But he was wounded for our transgression, bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. By his stripes we are healed, Isaiah 53, 5. He was, his suffering was physical, but it was also emotional. Why I say that? All his disciples left him. They had left him. They had gone off, run off. Peter had denied him because he was afraid they were going to catch him and do the same thing to him. He Went through this alone. Can you imagine? How many have ever been in a hospital where you were admitted in the hospital, you had to stay in the hospital? How did it feel to be by yourself? His suffering was emotional, but his suffering was also spiritual because the Bible tells us that on him was all the sins of everybody. 
throughout time, past, present, and future, was on him. 1 Peter 2.24 says, Who himself bore our sins on his own body on the tree. So suffering because of his love. But suffering has benefits for us. Hebrews 11, 26 and 27 tells us that Moses recognized there were benefits and there was a good outcome from suffering. In Hebrews 11, 26 and 27 says, he thought it was better, talking about Moses, to suffer for the sake of Christ than to own the treasures of Egypt for he was looking ahead to his great reward. It was by faith that Moses left the land of Egypt, not fearing the king's anger. He kept right on going. And he kept his eyes on the one who was invisible. Moses never entered the promised land. But I tell you one thing. You know what? They never found Moses' body. He was never buried. But guess what? He shows up. Mount of Transfiguration. There's Moses, Elijah, and Jesus in the, in the spirit. He knew something that they didn't know. He looked for that thing, that, what, that invisible God thing. And in Hebrews 12, too, this is our key verse. It says, looking unto Jesus, yeah. the author and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him. There was joy set before him. What joy? Oh, you done gave it away. Us. <laughs> For the joy that was set before him, endured the cross. He endured the cross because of us. He saw us. He saw us today. He, he, he knew that if he went through with this, if he kept on, if he went forward, if he yeah. went to that cross, and you know what? When he, dropped, when he was so weak he couldn't carry the cross, thank God he, God sent help. Because he had to go. He had to go all the way. He couldn't, drop at the, he couldn't drop at the base of the hill. He had to go all the way to Mount Moriah. He had to go all the way to Golgotha. To, 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 if he didn't go all the way, where would we be? So Jesus saw future joy. Isaiah saw future benefit. From suffering in 53, Isaiah 53, 8 and 53, 10. It says, unjustly condemned, he was led away. No one cared that he died without descendants. Jesus couldn't have descendants. Why? He never got married. He didn't have no wife. Or could he have descendants? Without descendants. That his life was cut short in midstream. He died young. He was only 33 years old. So he would have, what, no legacy? Or would he? Because verse 10 says, he will have many descendants. He will enjoy a long life, and the Lord's good plan will prosper in his hand. He had a whole lot of descendants, didn't he? Got some right here in the room right here. Amen. Acts 17, 28 says, we are his offspring. We are his legacy. I'm wrapping this up. We are saved, though, not so we can walk around with our heads up and 
trust the God. I'm blessed and highly favored. That's not why we're saved. We're saved to share in his suffering. Philippians 3.10 says that I may know him in the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings. Fellowship in suffering. What is fellowship? I like what one man, one man uh, uh, defined fellowship as two fellows in a ship going up and down together. Go up and down together. Going up and down together. That's fellowship. We're in this together. But if we want to be like Jesus, we got to go through what Jesus went through. He says, if you will be my disciple, you must do one thing first. Deny yourself. And the second thing, take up your cross. And then the third thing, follow me. Being conformed to his death. There it is right there. Conformed to his death. Paul would say what? I die daily. Why? What is he talking about? Did you go on the ground and die? Did you die in his bed and stop breathing? No, he's not talking about, he's talking about dying to the old nature, the old man. Because when we become Christians, when we become saved, we now have two natures. We have the old nature and the new nature. And we are supposed to foster, we're supposed to nurture the new nature. We feed ourselves real good. We take good care of our bodies. We wash ourselves. We wash our face, brush our teeth, go to the dentist, get doctor's appointments. Oh, us old people, we get colonoscopies and all that stuff. Because we've taken care of ourselves, our, our natural man. But the spirit man needs to be taken care of. It needs to be nurtured. How do we nurture it? We stay close to God. How do we stay close to God? We stay close to him through his word through studying his word. We stay close to him in prayer, by communion with him, and we stay close to him through fellowship. One with another. Romans 8, 18 and 23. For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. Jesus knew there was a glory that's uncomparable. Nothing can compare. Because remember, Jesus came from heaven. So he knew what he had left behind to come down here to be like one of us. But he wasn't, he wasn't trying to stay here. He wasn't trying to stay here. How many of you want to stay here? I ain't trying. I'm not trying to stay. This, this is what the Bible tells me, that my citizenship is in heaven. I'm not staying here. I'm on my way home. Second Timothy 2 and 3 says, Endure suffering along with me as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. And 2 Timothy, the same chapter, verse 12 says, If we suffer with him, we shall reign with him. So suffering has its benefits. And I'm concluding. How many minutes? How, what time is it? I, did, I, did, I do, did, I do, did I did good? Yeah. God give us passion. Jesus had a passion for us. 
he showed his passion. He showed his love for us through his suffering for us. His suffering and then his death. He showed us how much he loved us. This is what Paul says. He says that God has commended his love. He demonstrated his love. He exhibited his love. And while we were yet in sin, meaning mankind, he died. But he didn't just die. He suffered and died. God, give us a passion like Jesus. Give us a passion to see souls saved. To see people set free. To see people delivered. God, give us a, a passion as Jesus went into that temple and cleansed that temple, we are the temple. If we are the temple of the living God, the Bible says we are the temple, then what? Give us a passion to cleanse this temple. What Paul, what the Hebrews say, laying aside the, the weights and the sins that so easily beset us, that we what? run this race with endurance because we're in a race. This is not a sprint. This is not no 100-yard dash race. This is long distance. You have to pace yourself, but you can't stop. You can't stop. And those weights are there to give you, to strengthen you. But once you get running, you take the weights off. You got to let that go. The things in this world that you know are holding you back, the things that you know are keeping you from drawing closer to the Lord, that's your, that's your weight. You need to let that go. God, give us, give us passion to cherish and love this fellowship. Give us a passion to pray. And like Jesus agonized in prayer in Gethsemane, God, give us that, that we would agonize. Give us, give us a, a passion to praise him. Give us a passion to proclaim his holy name. Give us a passion. Prayer. To praise, to pray, to praise him and to proclaim him. That sounds like a church name, doesn't it? <laughs> Hallelujah. Prayer, praise, and proclamation. Yes. God, give us a passion. Because what? We want to see, like, like Jesus, we become his legacy. We are his descendants. Guess what? You want to leave a legacy. You want to see your children saved. You want to see them follow you into heaven. When you leave this life, they're going to be right behind you. It's just a matter of time. Don't you want to see them? That's your legacy. If you, if you were one of those that planted seeds, you were one of those that watered seeds, and, the, and they brought forth the increase, the fruit was born in their lives, they'll be right behind you. That's your legacy. You want them to follow you. Why? Because you want them to to be with you in our heavenly home. Amen. Because in our heavenly home, there's no more night there. Uh, no more night. There's no more crying there. There's no more war. We got, we've never been without a war somewhere, but not there. No more war. You know what? I've worked in the hospital for 35 years, 36 years, and heaven ain't gonna be no more hospital. No hospitals in heaven. Because what? There's no sickness. There's no disease in heaven. We want them to follow us to our home where things are like that. There's no more darkness. 
There'll be no more funerals. Ain't going to be no cemeteries. No more mortuaries. These people make all this money. It's a racket. It's a, it is. It really is. And I'm going to leave it at that. Hallelujah. Thank God for Jesus and his passion for us. Give the Lord a hand, praise. Amen.